1: Welcome back to Not Another Mummy Podcast with me, Alison Perry. When it comes to feeding your baby, there are so many opinions flying about. Yours, health professionals, your family, even strangers in cafes. Everyone likes to tell you what they think you should do. Whether they're telling you that breast is best or which formula milk you use or even which bottles are the best, of course, they're very probably trying to be helpful, but it can feel a bit overwhelming to hear it. Jill Crawshaw, my guest on the podcast today, breastfeeds her four-year-old daughter. And while she knows that many friends and family members think that she should have stopped by now, she's really happy to be doing it. Jill chats to me about why she's still breastfeeding her daughter and why she didn't want to stop ahead of her starting school. We talk about why it's even considered weird that a school-aged child is being breastfed and what can be done to normalise extended breastfeeding. Here's what Jill had to say.
2: Welcome, Jill, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. How excited. I'm
1: excited. I really am. So we're we're sat on your sofa drinking a cup of tea. I've got the most amazing mug that's got a pair of breasts on it. Yeah. Where is this mug from? It's uh, Mercer on
2: uh, Instagram.
1: Mercer. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're sat um having a bit of a chat on your sofa, yeah. lots of cushions around us, getting cosy. Yeah. Nice. Um, so, Jill... Tell me what kind of reactions uh, you get from people
2: uh, because you breastfeed your four-year-old Florence. Well, I think one of the biggest reactions people have about breastfeeding a four-year-old is that's weird. I think it's just a natural thing that people think, you know, it's a bit odd. It's quite strange. I think there's loads of reasons for it. I think we're not used to seeing it. We're not used to talking about it. But I mean, to be honest, if you told me, you know, like seven years ago that I would be breastfeeding a four-year-old, I would probably have thought the same. Why do you think it is considered weird? I don't know. I think we're really odd about boobs in this country, aren't we? You know, it's it's okay for porn. It's all right for page three. But if we're using them for breastfeeding, for feeding a child, that's a bit strange. It's
1: weird though, isn't it? Like,
2: obviously...
1: Um, And I'm no, you know, newsflash. I'm no kind of like evolutionary uh, expert here. But way back when, you know, the world first began, whether you believe in Adam and Eve or the Big Bang, but way back when, you know, they they exist to feed babies and to ensure the existence and continued existence of mankind. At what point? has it kind of flipped on its side and we now see breasts as being much more about male gratification than we do about actually feeding a baby or a, or a, or a child uh, i blame the patriarchy <laughs>
2: <laughs> i don't know it is a weird thing isn't it because it is a really natural thing yet we're a very like repressed society and we're very odd about things um which is why i think it's so important to talk about it and to show show it and to. So, kind of normalises a
1: lot more so what kind of things have you have you had any comments because obviously you um you're you're fairly open about the fact that you breastfeed Florence yeah um do you breastfeed her in public or is it something that you do at home
2: um yeah it's something I do at home I think we kind of stopped feeding in public probably about a year or two ago but it was more to do with the fact that she didn't like doesn't really feed in the day now okay it is mainly in the morning and in the evening so it wouldn't be something we would do but Yeah, I think there was, I mean, even with extended breastfeeding, there's definitely a, a range of what's kind of acceptable and what's not. Like, it's maybe OK to breastfeed a toddler, but when they're slightly older, that's even weirder. So, yeah. So she
1: started school, hasn't she?
2: Yes, yeah, she started
1: this week. And did you have anybody, like family members or close friends, kind of say
2: to you, oh, so uh, are you, are you going to stop uh, when she goes to school? I had many people <laughs> say that to me. Yeah, it's interesting. I think in some people's minds, school seems to be the absolute cutoff date, you know, Go to school. Before they go to school, they're a baby, and then they go to school, and they're a child. And so you shouldn't, you shouldn't be feeding them really. And I did have uh, one family member in particular saying to me, "Oh, you'll be feeding her at the school gate," which clearly isn't going to happen. <laughs> clearly isn't going to happen. Um, yeah, I, th- I think something like school—it's such a massive transition. It's a huge thing for them. They're still so small, so for me, it made sense to carry on doing something that was going to comfort her, and it's like a familiar touchpoint. Really, that it
1: almost feels like the wrong time to be stopping. Oh, completely, like, yeah. like let, let's choose the the period of your life that's going to be the, mo- the most upheaval. And take away the thing that provides you with comfort and reassurance. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any
2: sense. I'm more to the point she doesn't want to stop, so. So, okay, let's go right back
1: to um, talk about your breastfeeding journey. Um, So you've got um, an older daughter, Eliza, haven't you? Yeah, so she's seven. When you were pregnant with her, did you always know that you would breastfeed?
2: I kind of did. Um, I always knew that I would try. Um, I thought I would try and sort of saw how it went, would see how it goes, and then if it didn't work, we'd formula feed. It's one of those things, isn't
1: it, that when you're pregnant, you can have, you you know, any opinions in the world about, you know, your intentions, but you've got no idea what it's going to be like, whether it's hard or going to be easy. You hear some people saying oh it was the hardest thing ever and then you hear others saying oh you know I just chip it really naturally and it just felt so easy
2: yeah it's different for everyone I mean it can be really easy it can be really difficult mm. um I think also when you're pregnant it's a really kind of abstract concept to get your head around really I mean I know when I was pregnant I couldn't really couldn't really picture it what I mean um because I know that I so I worked in digital PR and I looked after quite a lot of the baby clients and so I'd done a lot of reading about you know kind of related topics so I read a lot about breastfeeding and about the breast versus bottle debate and so I knew a lot of the issues around it and that some people struggled so I thought yeah we'll try it we'll try and see what happens
1: and then, and then how did you find it when when she came along
2: so when she came along I think yeah her birth was quite it was quite shocking to me I think well you know what it's like first time you give birth
1: <laughs> I felt like I actually felt traumatized yeah I felt like I felt like I'd been hit by a bus I think
2: a lot of people do I, yeah I I know I hear about people saying it was they felt amazing after but for me I just felt shell shocked Mm. I just felt like what just happened
1: and it's interesting you saying that you've done a lot of reading I'm guessing you did a bit of reading about birth and you probably went to antenatal classes where they kind of do preparation but it's I honestly believe that it's one of and I'm not saying this anyone who is pregnant right now and hasn't yet had birth I am absolutely not saying this to scare you um, but I just think that childbirth and caring for a small baby mm. is one of those things that you can read as much as you want, and it's you're never gonna you're never gonna know what it's like until you've been through it.
2: No, it's true, and it's it's different for everybody. I mean, you could have like an amazing an amazing birth, or you might have something that's you know slightly more traumatic to you. It's there's a whole range of. Like, I had two very different births as well. Like with Eliza and Florence, it was really different.
1: So you had a tricky birth. And breastfeeding, um, how was that when, when Eliza was, was born?
2: So when she was born, we had, we had a really amazing team of community midwives. And they as soon as she was born, they helped me to feed. And it seemed to be okay. And she fed in hospital. But I think with hindsight, she wasn't feeding well at all. I, I was in a lot of pain and had like really cracked, bleeding nipples. That's just
1: normal, though.
2: Yeah. Like you
1: say that as if that that those were your signs that it wasn't going well. But I
2: remember saying to one of the midwives, like, because I, I didn't know if it was right. I was saying to her, like, is this right? Is the latch right? And I think she was just really busy and she was like, oh, you need to, you know, just move her slightly.
1: It's the Honestly, like, I I remember just feeling so, like, this is the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. When you've got someone, like, a, a you know, a really well-meaning trying to help midwife or, you know, feeding specialists saying to you, just do this. Yeah. And you're like, I can't quite work out how to take the words that you're saying and move my baby in a way that actually works.
2: When, like the, the baby's moving too. Yes. You're terrified of like hurting them or dropping them. And, and quite often they can big big be... When, when they're really
1: little, they could be falling asleep. You're yeah. trying to wake them up
2: and... <sighs> it's, oh, God, yeah. But I remember getting home. I think we were in hospital like two, three, two, three nights. And by the time we got home, I hadn't slept for all that, all that time. I was so overwhelmed and just so like, what is going on? I'm really shell-shocked. I remember the first night trying to feed her, and she just would keep falling off the boob, and Mm. I just didn't really know what was happening. And then the next morning, the midwife came to... You remember, like, the first midwife visit? yeah, yeah. the midwife came, and she took one look at Eliza and said, ''Have you not noticed your baby is severely jaundiced?'' She can't have been feeding right. Oh my god! And I'm just like I, have, I haven't noticed. Did, you she know, say it, just, did she say it like that? Said it like that. I was oh, like, it's not I'm helpful. I've just met my baby. I thought this is
1: what I, I thought this is what she looked like. Uh, do you know what? I think that jaundice is actually something that's quite hard to spot. Yeah. I think some people find it really easy. Mm. There's been times when I've posted a picture of my baby, um, you know, on. On social media, and other people mention the fact that she looks jaundiced. Oh, really, I look at it and I'm like, really? Like, really? like I, I that's yeah. just that's just baby, that's just baby skin. Yeah, it's
2: just kind of. I thought that's what she looked like. You know, yeah. I just let this baby. Exactly,
1: you're not exactly some experienced mum.
2: No, but it was all. I just remember bursting into tears, thinking like, how how am I already the world's worst mother? I just felt oh, so Jill. bad. Yeah, you know, it was. You know what it's like when you haven't slept and you're hormonal and. It's like oh, what's going on? You're here? You're so
1: vulnerable at that point, so aren't you? Vulnerable,
2: yeah. Just such a like a fragile little person. Mm. Um, yeah, but she was she was actually really nice, and she gave us she kind of watched us feed, and she saw what the issues were, and gave us loads of tips, um, which did work. And we had to feed her. I think every like two hours at that point to mm. stop her like get rid of the jaundice, and so yeah. she didn't have to go into hospital, which did work. But it's you know it's, when you're awake every two hours, and that's two hours from the start of the feed as well. So it's that's just like one of the one of my worst memories of
1: breastfeeding is that feeling of it just being constant it was
2: constant yeah that
1: you know you're you it can take such a long time to feed a small newborn baby and then sometimes as well i had periods where i was then expressing Mm. so i would finish and i had two babies like most recently i had i had twins to breastfeed. yeah (laughs) don't have mentioned this guys but i've had twins um but i would feed i was tandem feeding them and then it would take ages, like 45 minutes or an hour, and then I'd be expressing. Yeah. And then I'd probably have like half an hour before it was time to start on the merry around again. And
2: that's half an hour to do everything. That's half an hour to eat yes. sleep yeah. have a shower. And oh, yeah.
1: I don't even think I was having a shower at that point. No, I was just there. smelly and sweaty and gross and it didn't matter. Everyone is
2: and nobody cares. Exactly.
1: <laughs> um, so did you find that from that point that things got a bit easier?
2: They did. Um, it, it was really hard. Like the sleep, sleep deprivation was really hard, but I found she, Eliza, was gaining weight, and she got rid of the jaundice. And I thought, like, yeah, hey, no, this is good. This is, you know, it's obviously really good for her, and all the tips seem to work. And the midwives at that point, they came out to see us every day for about three weeks. So it was so good. So nice. It's such a nice
1: feeling as well. When I remember having been in hospital for a few days and you're so used to being able to press a button mm. and have somebody <laughs> just pop round and say, is everything all right? And you can ask even the smallest, most stupid question yeah. to then being at home. Oh
2: God, it's that feeling, isn't it? You know, when you get home with the baby and you shut the door and it's, it's you like, with the baby. It's like, ah! <laughs> Know. We're in charge. We're the baby. We're not
1: proper grown-ups. So <laughs> like, well, that now. Yeah, I mean, when I think back to those moments, I actually still feel a little bit sick in my stomach yeah. because it is that the overwhelming feeling of, you know, what what if I don't do this right? What if I miss something? Like you're saying, you know, yeah. you miss the jaundice. There are so many things. So many things. How many times should I be changing the nappy? Like I, there were yeah. times that we were changing completely dry nappies just because we felt like we need to change the nappy. It's, it's part of the routine that we're in. God, I,
2: do it. No, I remember on the, I think it was the, fir- the first morning in the hospital still, we had to go and see the doctor. And she looked at the baby and said, you do know you've got the nappy on the wrong way round. Oh, no! (laughs) I I don't
1: know. They must see so much in the hospital, mustn't they? they. But yeah, having the midwife or the health visitor come round on those early days Mm. to me... Even if they are saying something that's vaguely unhelpful, I don't yeah. care. It's just like come in, come in. It's like having someone, it's like yeah, an adult who knows
2: about things. I would it's, have a it's I, really reassuring.
1: I would have a list on my phone, like you know the notes app on your phone. <laughs> I would have a list of questions. I actually found um, maybe about a year or so ago. I was looking back at the really early notes oh, on my phone, wow. and I found them from nine years ago, from yeah. when my eldest was born. And it, reading them actually made me feel a little bit teary and emotional because it was just. It was just, like, the most bonkers things about... And, like, really detailed questions about sleep or breastfeeding yeah. or, you know... And these blooming, you know, health visitors come round and just have to deal with such an array yeah. of sleep-deprived, crazy questions.
2: Yeah, I remember, like, for us as well, Eliza wouldn't... She wouldn't sleep in the cot. And she would only sleep on us. And I remember saying that to the midwife, like, she won't sleep in the cot. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's completely normal.
1: <laughs> yeah. She's used to being <laughs> in your womb. <laughs> yeah. Therefore, she's going to feel more comfortable on your body. Yeah.
2: I wish I could go back into it that time and say, like, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It'll be fine. Oh,
1: I know. I yeah. really want to go back and give, like, nine years ago, me a massive hug. Just give
2: like, me yeah, a big hug. And-, and just
1: take the baby for a few hours yeah. and say, she's go and have a nice little sleep. Take some earplugs. Have a sleep. Everything's gonna be fine. Don't worry. But yeah, that's, that's what, not possible. Yeah. Um so we've kind of gone off topic a little bit. Um, but you so it sounds like you kind of got into the swing of breastfeeding after a while.
2: We did, but then it all kind of went wrong again. Oh. So after we got signed off from the midwives, I thought, like, yeah, you know, we can do this. Like she'd gone away, I thought this is fine and Alex, my husband went back to work and it's just me with the baby. Which but, again this is just like yeah, terrifying. Yeah, like just me and the baby. Um, but yeah, her latch started to get really bad again. Mm. And I was in like an awful lot of pain and it was case of every it was kind of gradual, but then it was really constant. So every time I fed it it was agonizing and yeah, feeling really kind of really hunched up because it's that painful. Yeah. But at that point, you know, I'd been signed off by the midwives. I didn't really know what to do about it i kind of thought we should have got it at that
1: point so how old was florence at this? sorry eliza, eliza um, how old was eliza at this point she's
2: probably like four or five weeks old okay so still like thinking about it that's still a new yeah goal. but in my head i was thinking we should have got it like why has everyone else got it and not us um so
1: were you at that point were you comparing yourself to like antenatal friends who had similar age babies oh,
2: yeah yeah definitely you compared to people, Like other people see online and like, yeah, friends who seem to have got it all cracked and they clearly haven't. Okay, and know. So it's one of those things, isn't it?
1: That even with like, if you meet up with like your NCT friends for a cup of tea and you see them all breastfeeding. It's kind of like the in real life version of what people put on the internet, which sounds yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm, bear with me. This sounds crazy. In that, obviously, with like Facebook and Instagram, you're putting your highlights on, you yeah. don't necessarily put all your struggles on. But meeting up for a coffee with the NTT mums is kind of the same, yeah. in that, quite often, I, for me, anyway, I was there putting a brave face on it, smiling, yeah. saying everything's fine. And yeah, we'd have a bit of a moan about things and, oh, I'm so tired. Yeah. But you you wouldn't necessarily know if they were having similar feeding struggles with their babies.
2: Yeah, I think especially not at first, because, yeah, no men's group really well now. And talking about, it's interesting hearing them talk about the early days, because I think everybody thinks the same thing. So I think especially at first, I thought they'd all crack breastfeeding and they were well the ones that were feeding not everyone was. Yeah,
1: same same um, with me actually. So I was
2: like, why is it just me? Why well, can't and I why can't I do this? What's what's wrong with me? But I was yeah, in so much pain and it just really hurt. But at the same time, so Eliza was obviously thriving on the milk and she was growing and she was putting on weight. Um it's just me in a lot of pain. That's that's
1: a really hard thing situation to be in then because is, yeah. she's she's fine and obviously as a mum quite often your main priority is the baby. Yeah. Rightly or wrongly. Yeah. I mean rightly. No, or wrongly, but yeah. If 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 you are in physical pain mm. every time, that's really hard.
2: Yeah, and I just kind of battled on for a bit. And I just remember going to the health visitor and saying I'm in a lot of pain, and she had some really bad advice, like you know, oh, it might hurt a little bit, and I was like, is this is this normal? It didn't seem to be. Pain is so subjective. It really is. Yeah. So you could
1: be saying to your health visitor on a scale of one to ten, yeah. it's hurting me eight. But to her, that may be a bit like, yeah, that's
2: normal. I think, yeah, she was just like, oh, you know, a new mum with lots of worries. Yeah, so but what I did in the end, I phoned the NCT Breastfeeding Helpline, which is a free helpline that's staffed by volunteers. And they were so nice. I remember calling and just crying again and saying, like, why, you know, why, what's wrong? Why can't we get it? And they gave me so much good advice. But the best advice, they said, was find a breastfeeding drop-in cafe and go to that and they will actually give you help. They'll sit with you and give you help. Yeah. So I found one of those the next day, which... It's another interesting thing because this is, you know, seven years ago now. At the time, there was one of those types of cafes like every day. Whereas I remember when I had Florence, so that's four years ago, didn't seem to be that much support available. Yeah, it's like one or two. It's like
1: Monday and Wednesday.
2: Yeah, and if you know, it's Wednesday evening, and you've got a problem, and you're in loads of pain, and the next time you're going to get help is Monday. That's yeah. that's uh, years away. Yeah. I think it's just terabyte funding cuts and I
1: know. There's there's absolutely no doubt about it not enough support for breastfeeding mums. It's
2: completely right you need support. It's vital to help people.
1: Interestingly, um at the hospital that I gave birth in twice, um eight years apart, the breastfeeding support had improved considerably in that time. So I think that you're absolutely right that there's been cuts and, you know, there's, there isn't the same funding for, um, you know, these drop in clinics. Yeah. And quite often it is people who have got money who can afford to go to private breastfeeding yeah. counsellors um who have access to that kind of help but second time around for me there was an infant feeding team mm. on the on the ward and yeah. so there was always one person on duty who would come and help and put us on like a bit of a routine and helped us with latch even oh, really? to begin with because i had my twins i had twins by the way <laughs> really News flash. newsflash because I, I do feel like the biggest dick in the world Seriously? constantly <laughs> referencing the fact that i've got twins if i had had two babies i mean having one but having two babies i would tell everybody I had two babies but, at once yeah. at once Alison, <laughs> yeah. um but yeah even to begin with because they came four weeks early my milk didn't didn't come in so they course, actually yeah. helped me manually um express i had like you know a, a woman um you know actually kind of like you know um, massaging my breast wow, yeah. to get the colostrum out into a tiny little test tube. Yeah. And you just think, no. in fact, it was, a, it was a little pipette, a little sucker thing. And she was sucking the droplets off my nipple. And obviously, having just given birth to twins. Two twins. Um, twins. I know. Um, I didn't have a care in the world yeah. this complete stranger was, you know, pipetting um, colostrum off my nipple. She couldn't even do anything. It's really
2: hard. Like You completely, I think when you're a parent, you completely lose all inhibition don't you it's yeah. like yeah i'm just gonna sit here and someone's gonna do that and it's fine <laughs>
1: just a, just a few hours before that just before the c-section i had another complete stranger come along with one of the you kind know, of lady shave you know the electric oh, razors yeah. Yeah. and shave some of my pubes off oh, no. because i didn't know that the very top bit needed to be completely clear of hair for them to do the c-section i suppose
2: that makes sense doesn't it but they're they not telling you that? yeah yeah didn't that tell you that so you could
1: get a wax or something? <laughs> on, on the information that they give you before you come in for your C-section, it kind of would have been good, and it wasn't just me. I did hear the lady in the bay opposite with her thick for her as well, and I was like, okay, it's not just me. I know what's happening there. <laughs> they clearly have to go around everyone shaving the bit, bit their pubes off. They not
2: tell you things like this. I, I know, but
1: I didn't care. I was just like, yeah. here you go, go love. <laughs> It's probably more unpleasant for you than it is for me, <laughs> but anyway, how do we get onto this I don't, um, funding and access? And so were, you called the NCT breastfeeding helpline, yes,
2: which is excellent. I think if you do need help, you should call them; they're really, really good. Yeah, and they told me to go to, go find a breastfeeding cafe, and I did. But it's a funny thing. I was thinking about this: you go from being at work like a few a few weeks earlier, you're know, being quite a senior position and managing a team of people and having those responsibility. And then I kind of felt that giving birth always like knocked the stuffing out for me almost. Because I was like, oh, I'll have to go to this room of people and get my boobs out in front of them. And, I found and really speak to somebody place.
1: and explain the problem. Yeah, yeah, and find
2: this place that I've never been before. And I was like, oh, with this baby that I don't even know how to get the pram on the bus. And I think that's really normal. Yeah. I think, again,
1: it's that vulnerability thing. That, so vulnerable. That, yeah, it's the weirdest time. And, and, and I think that... I, I honestly think that it's it's partly sleep deprivation. Yep. It's partly hormonal. Yeah. And also it's just that you are doing, you're getting your head around this immense, huge thing. And there are probably about 70 new decisions that you have to make every day. And you're trying to navigate your way through that.
2: God, yeah. And it's, That's hard. Yeah, and it's not just you anymore. It's another person that you were responsible for. And you were responsible for keeping this tiny baby alive. And it's... It's this fragile piece of your heart and you're in charge of them
1: now. It's almost like when I was 16 and I was given a Tamagotchi and I felt Amazing. proper pressure. I was just like, you know, I, I remember kind of, you know, not going down for my tea one day because, no, 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 I need to clear out my Tamagotchi's poo. Oh, I can't have it sitting there, and, you know, in its own poo. Yeah. Um, no, it's, 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 it's overwhelming. It never-
0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: This week's episode of Not Another Mummy podcast is supported by Little Freddy, an award-winning baby food brand who are on a mission to bring flavor and nutrition back to baby food whilst helping to look after our planet. My twin babies love Little Freddy baby food. Their favourite seems to be the organic beef and coconut curry with wild rice. And it's 20% grass-fed beef, so I know that they're getting a good portion of protein. As part of their big green plan, Little Freddy are the first brand in the UK to have launched a free zero-waste-to-landfill recycling scheme, so nothing ends up in landfill. Little Freddy have made this scheme simple and free for parents and you can now get involved through their Pouches for Prizes competition. If you share an image of you recycling your pouches with the prepaid envelope on Instagram and tag Little Freddie UK from now through to November, you'll be in with a chance to win a selection of prizes, including a year's National Trust membership and a year's supply of Little Freddy baby food. Every week, I would love to win that. Simply message them on Instagram to get your free recycling bag. It's Recycling Week from the 23rd to the 29th of September. So what better time to message Little Freddy to get your free recycling bag and get recycling now. Big thank you to Little Freddy for supporting this episode of Not Another Mummy Podcast.
2: So, but I went to this breastfeeding cafe and it was fine it was just it was just like a group of other mums with their babies and everyone just sat around feeding and talking about their birth stories as you always do and there was a I think a, like a lactation specialist who was in charge of it so I went in and said I'm having all these problems and she was like just sit down and she made uh, we the baby on and she gave me loads and loads of tips said like this is what you're doing wrong and for the first time I felt like we could actually do this it might be it might be okay but then I remember going home, and it was just really painful and awful again. And again, I was, oh again. No. I was like, "Why? What am I doing? That's so wrong!" And I had to keep going back. I went back a few times, and I think that's the thing that you have to—you have to kind of get your teeth and go back. And but they—they they were really helpful. And I don't know if it was—it was that, or just getting the baby getting a bit older, or and it gradually started to get a bit better. Yeah. And then I was like, "Yeah, okay, we could we could do this. This is this is all right. This is." something we can do at some
1: point did you ever consider bottle feeding or were you you, were you kind of like resolute on breastfeeding
2: because before when i was pregnant i did think my whole thing we'll try breastfeeding if it doesn't work we'll move on move on to bottles um and we did buy some formula we bought bottles but i think as soon as i started feeding it was the fact that the baby was fine yes and she was thriving when it was when it all got okay she was thriving on it and it was the fact that it was fine for her so i thought i kind of need to keep going for that reason and, and also it was like seeing the other people other people that could do it and so I was like there must, you know I was thinking well, let's keep at it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know for like a lot of people that isn't possible, there are people that you know, can't.
1: Did you ever feel any pressure to do it or was it, did it all just was it genuinely from you that you, was something that you wanted to do? I
2: think the pressure was from me because I knew it was something that I wanted to do and at that point I thought I did kind of pressure myself to keep on going and it did get better, it got better quite quickly after that. So, yeah, I know, like, for lots of people, it isn't possible and there are lots of reasons why they can't feed, but I think it helps if it's a decision that you're happy with.
1: Yeah, yeah. I am absolutely a firm believer in doing what is right for you.
2: Completely. And,
1: yeah, in my NCT group, I think half of us were able to breastfeed and half weren't for various reasons, like tongue-tie and, you know, various things. And and I just think you've got to consider your mental health because Mm. as much as you're saying that you were in pain but you were okay and you got through it yeah that for somebody else who was a bit more vulnerable from a mental health point of view that might have tipped them over the edge and that might have you know resulted in them having really bad anxiety or postnatal depression and so you've got to really think about you as well as the baby yeah
2: completely yeah I mean I'm sure I'm sure there probably would have been a point where I would have thought if it had carried on being so bad I would have thought we'll move on to formula now It just never kind of got reached that point and Lucky for us, it did get a lot better. You know, I was lucky to have a lot of help, lucky to live in an area where there was a lot of help. I know some people don't have that, some people don't have that kind of support. Um, So you managed to get
1: into a bit of a a flow and a bit of a rhythm with um, breastfeeding Eliza. How long did you breastfeed her for?
2: So I breastfed her until she was two and a half.
1: And at that point, did you think, oh, I'm breastfeeding my toddler, this is a bit unusual, or... Was it to just feel really normal and it wasn't even
2: a thing? Well, it did feel really normal to us. And I guess circumstances dictated that we could carry on. Uh, a lot of things worked in our favour. Um, but it was definitely something that felt like a thing. It was definitely something that a lot of people seemed to think was a bit unusual and a bit, not abnormal, but, yeah, a bit remarkable that
1: you would choose to do that. And did that bother you? Because I think if if it was me, like, I in the past have struggled to breastfeed at all in public Mm -hmm. because of you know me imagining the looks and the comments and it's it's all in my head
2: it's a big thing isn't it yeah it kind of goes against everything you think like let's just get our boobs out in public you you don't don't normally do that do you um I think I was quite lucky because I talk about NCT groups but a lot of some of my NCT groups like breastfed so we would often sit around breastfeeding so we'd be in cafes and do that so we were all together yes so it did feel a bit like we were all doing it safety in numbers yeah definitely safety in numbers so I think the first few times you I well first time few times I did do it it was a bit like you know it did feel like a big scary thing but I kind of got used to it and
1: did you get any comments when you were still breastfeeding Eliza at two were you know, did, did you get any comments from friends or from family members or members of the public
2: oh yeah for, definitely from family members but i was lucky enough that i did have a couple of friends that did feed that long as well okay um but i think a lot of the time it's more to do with like not really ignorance but people don't really people haven't really seen it they don't really know it they don't understand why you would do it when the baby's eating food and maybe a lot of people see breastfeeding as just being purely about nutrition it's just about the milk whereas it's about so many other things, you know, like comfort and connection and reconnect at the end of the day. And those are kind of the benefits that really come to the surface, I guess, when you do long-term breastfeeding. Yeah.
1: And um, did you find it hard to stop breastfeeding, Eliza? Because I imagine that once a toddler has has, has the ability to express an opinion, yeah. it might be
2: quite tricky. Do you know what? It was less harder than I thought, because I actually stopped feeding because I was six months pregnant at the time. Right. And in my head, I could read about tandem feeding and I knew a lot of people that did do it. But in my head, I thought if I have a newborn and have the same problems I had with Eliza, I didn't want to have a toddler relying on feeding as well. Just because I thought it wouldn't really be fair to her, and also I couldn't imagine the thought of being all that pain again and you know having a toddler as well. Yeah. So I thought it probably would be best to stop at some point. And I think I was away like at a work conference or so maybe two nights. And it just seemed like a natural time just to cut it off.
1: Yeah. That that, that can happen quite often, can't it? Yeah. That something external happens that makes you think, okay, let's just let's just use this. As the catalyst. Yeah,
2: I didn't even I didn't even think about it. I think if I thought about it beforehand it would have been a big deal, but I remember just being away and thinking, oh maybe I should maybe this is a good time to stop. And so we did and it wasn't yeah, it wasn't a really big thing in the end. And also I knew I'd be having a newborn, so that was a big thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it just seemed like a right sort of time to stop. So then when Florence
1: came along yes. uh how did you find breastfeeding second time around?
2: So it was fine. I was just really geared up for loads of problems and loads of issues and I did a lot of reading about things you could do and bought things like, you know, those hot breast pads, that, things like that. But it was fine. Like, I, had a, I had a bit of pain with her. I had mastitis a few times, which is, have you ever had that? I've
1: never had mastitis. It, it is not nice. It sounds
2: hideous. Yeah, it's, it's, because it's, it's quite a physical thing as well because you get like flu type symptoms yeah. a it, especially when you're looking after a baby and a toddler. It's not fun. But, yeah, he kind of got through it. I got into antibiotics got through it. And, yeah, it was fine. I had—I don't know if it was because second baby and...
1: Well, you've been breastfeeding for two and a half years. And so yeah. I guess it just becomes kind of second nature to kind of whack a baby on... Whack a baby on the boob. <laughs> and, and you know what it feels like, what a good latch feels like. Even subconsciously, mm. you would know what feels right and what doesn't. Yeah. Whereas first time round, you wouldn't have had that point of reference. But, yeah,
2: first time round, had no idea. Completely clueless. So yeah, second, yeah. Second time it just seemed, it seemed to just go a lot better, which was a pleasant surprise to me.
1: And did you ever think about? I wonder how long I'll breastfeed Florence, or was it did not even enter your head?
2: Yeah, I did think. I thought I would probably feed for about the same amount of time I fed Eliza for. I didn't ever think I would get to four and still be feeding her. To be honest, so yeah. But it just it was one of those things that there was there was never a reason to stop. It was working for both of us and. Yeah, so that's kind of why we carried on. Um, and what what kind of awareness does Florence have about it? You
1: know, is she, does she ask for it? Um, is she, is it something that you guys just talk about in the same way that she talks about, she might say, I want a biscuit or I want to put CBeebies on the TV or yep. that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, completely that. I think, I can't, you are know, at the stage where they start talking they start expressing an opinion. Um, we've always talked about it, always from a really early stage. And I think the best thing about her talking was that uh, I would, because sometimes I get comments from family members about it, so I taught her like a couple of responses to say, including "back off the boobs," which is the best
1: one. I love that. Has she said that to people? Yeah. "Back off the boobs." Back
2: off the boobs. Yeah, because she often gets people say to her, like, especially around starting school. Oh, do you think you might want to stop? And she's like, "No, I do not want to stop." That's
1: brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I love it.
2: So she's had people
1: saying to her, "Do you think you might want to stop?" Oh, like family members and stuff. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. That's. Mm. Yeah, I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and is it something that she talks about with, like, friends, like nursery friends, that kind of thing, like...
2: Um, do you know what's interesting? I don't know, because we do have one friend that, um, of similar age who, I don't know if she's still breastfed, but she was breastfed, but they used to talk about it, and they have different words for it, but yeah, it's quite, it's a quite normal thing for her yeah I I mean it would be Um,
1: I I guess I'm just wondering whether having just started school there might be some kind of um right you know the teacher saying right I want everyone to stand up and tell us something you did this morning Mm. you know before coming to school and she might stand up and say my mum breastfed me or uh, you know um which obviously is not a problem but considering the kind of antiquated views that a lot of people do have about breastfeeding yeah. whether the teacher might react or i don't know i
2: do i think if it's the children i think children are really accepting of it i think children don't have any questions i mean they yeah, do have questions but it's not... i think it's adults that have to no absolutely i mean like if she, if she if she was to
1: stand up in her reception class and say that the children wouldn't react yeah. they would just be like what's that they would probably ask questions yeah i
2: think that's probably would probably be Maybe a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just to talk about it.
1: Yeah. So we absolutely need to talk about this more, which is why it's so good that you're talking to me to say about it. Um, What else can we do, though, to, you know, kind of get people not judging and not, you know... um, Thinking that it's a weird thing or unusual. I mean, even the phrase "extended breastfeeding" kind of feels a little bit wrong because it bit old, it? it's like the normal amount of time to breastfeed is this. Anything longer is extended.
2: It's funny, yeah, because the World Health Organization the, the the guidelines about breastfeeding state that it's up to and beyond two years, but I think not many people do. Make it. Off it. I think it's a really tough one. I, I always think it's amazing when people talk out... Like, I've spoken before about Tamara Eccleston, who obviously is a celebrity. How old are her kids? I think... So I think her daughter... She must be five now. I don't know if she's still feeding. I know she spoke at four about her feeding. Yeah. Um, Which I just think is fabulous. But it always makes, like, kind of really scandalous headline news when people talk about breastfeeding
1: older children. I think the fact that it does make headline news is a bit bit of a problem. Mm. You know... And you could argue that even the fact that I am talking to you and this is like I, you know, messaged you and said, oh, Jill, um, I'd love to come and chat to you about breastfeeding your four year old. Like that shouldn't be the kind of, oh, my goodness, this is an interesting topic to talk about in the same way that I'm not here asking you about Florence coming home from school and getting, you know, milk out of the fridge and a biscuit. And do you know what I mean? Like no, that, that, that That's the most yeah. dull thing in the world. Yeah. Why is this interesting?
2: It's funny because like, for us it is is—it is the most normal thing. It's really normal. It's really unremarkable. It's just part of our day, really. It's like brushing our teeth and having a snack and having more snacks. Having <laughs> more
1: snacks. <laughs> oh, the snacks. The endless snacks. Oh, so
2: many snacks. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I, I'm always really pleased when people like to my Records talk, talk out about it because I guess as a celebrity, you're more, there's going to be more kind of, drama and buzz about more
1: it. interest yeah. yeah do you think we'll ever get to a point where we're more relaxed about breastfeeding in general do you think that we'll ever get to a point where actually women's breasts aren't primarily thought of as a sexual thing and thought of as just part of our bodies and actually the function is to feed a baby or a child
2: i hope so <laughs> it would be good wouldn't it yeah because it is just a really normal thing yeah and often i think there's a lot of media hype about it. I think just, like, groups of mums at playgroups and groups of mums at baby groups, it's just a normal thing, you know. Someone whacks a boob out, someone feeds a baby. No-one blinks an eyelid. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. And I do... I know there are often cases where there's, like, something really negative happens, like someone's asked to cover up or feeding. And that is really bad. And I just think it maybe gives a bit of a negative perception to some people that the whole world is full of people waiting to kind of shout at you whereas yeah. for lots of people like for me I was lucky enough to have never no one's ever said anything negative to me in public Yeah, and I know I probably am the exception rather than the rule but I think you know you can have a not easy time of it but
1: on the flip side um Somebody who we both know. Do you do you remember this story? Um, Somebody who we both know was um, bottle feeding a baby in a Costa Coffee or something, and someone came up to her and said, um, "Oh, you made made some comment about the fact that actually, you know, had she ever considered breastfeeding?" And
2: um, why would you say that to someone?
1: And our mutual friend um, looked at this person, this old lady, and said, um, "Actually, I breastfed both my children. This is my niece." (laughs) it's amazing and it's like stick that in your pipe and smoke it love you know it's not okay to come up and pass judgment on how i am feeding this child
2: why would you say that you know that could could have been expressed milk with a bottle is you know could have been formula and that's fine you know she could have had a really you know traumatic experience that oh there's so many reasons why you know women you know choice should be yours and yours alone and it's not up to anyone else to comment on it that's so bad on that note jill
1: (laughs) thank you so much for chatting to me about this really everyday boring non-subject i have really loved chatting to you about it it's been great talking to you thank you (laughs) I loved doing that chat. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to it. As always, please hop onto iTunes and rate and review and subscribe to the podcast and I'll catch up with you next week.